0: And, and we, we are, are here, here on D-Tracks deep deep tracks Only. We are, we are so glad you are joining us today. Gosh, what, what a good episode upset we, upset have we have today. Today, today we talked to Dan friend. Wilson <laughs> of Sonic, who's also There's a songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> I almost could keep up. <laughs> I could almost keep up. You're better um, at that than I am. At following you? I think you no, are. No, I'm not. Okay. That was real good. I'm pretty My good brain it. starts glitching. Yeah. I have literal glitches.
1: Literal, man, speaking of band names, Literal Glitches. Literal Glitches. It is a, I mean, they're on tour with, you remember Mum? No. Mum from, they're from like 2003, 2004. Literal um, Glitches. It was like one of those bands that you got burned CDs of. Like, hey, you didn't listen to Mum? <laughs> like Architecture in Helsinki.
0: I don't know any of these. Oh, you know, I wasn't cool. I was okay. a punk kid. I was oh, a yeah, a yeah, yeah. Hardcore you boy,
1: cool like I was, dude. I was so cool. Like yeah. on an index of one to ten, <laughs> like what? Two. Oh, dude. One being the coolest. But it was cool to be two. That's the whole thing. That's how it's ironic about it. Oh man. You know, um, uh, you know those dad's shirts is like I used to be cool. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I love those. I have a whole book of that. A lot of appreciation for that. Um, that's what my mom used to say about my dad all the time. Like, your dad, he really used to
0: be cool. <laughs> that's so so sad. I <laughs> used to be cool, man. I know.
1: And it was usually around the time when we were like telling him to like, say, hey, dad, stop wearing like yellow fleeces. You know, you just buy fleeces and they'd be like the most like bright color you've like, ever seen in your life. Almost you. I'm just kidding. That's it's right. kind of like those things that look good in a catalog, but then you buy them and you wear them. And yeah. You're like, this is not... It's like you got it from Wish. Yeah. So Jason, Jason here at Saudi, we call it the red jacket. Because at one time or another, we've both bought like a red jacket. Thought like Because it looked good in the catalog, but then you buy it and you wear it and you're like, no
0: guy looks good in a red <laughs> and jacket. And you both bought this red jacket? No, no, no. But we've oh, both okay. at
1: one, some, one time or another said like, that red jacket looks awesome. Uh-huh. I'm going to buy the red jacket. And then you buy it and you almost never wear it. Cause it's like, I look ridiculous in a red yeah. jacket. Like what kind of guy? wears that, a red yeah.
0: Jacket. You have to really commit a, a really cool person buys it and wears it. And the people that are just yeah. too scared. Don't. Yeah. And the, and the people too scared. Don't. Yeah. The people too scared. <laughs> don't. I have about four or five black jackets. Cause I'm too scared. That's yeah. I mean, I that's what black I resort jackets. to all the time. Just black. Yeah. yeah.
1: But the, you know, then you walk in somewhere and you got black pants, black jacket, you got a black bag. Yep. It's kind of like this guy is ready to film a few episodes of some new Netflix series. That's what it looks like yeah. now. Yeah. You know, like I'm on crew <laughs> somewhere. I'm obviously not wearing that today. Yep. Um, I'm wearing tan. You're also wearing tan today, too. I love these earth tones that tan? we have going. I, it, I oh, it's thought like, it was kind of sage. I call that dusty olive. Oh.
0: You're wearing a dusty olive shirt. Dusty olive. What color is sage? S- sage. Dusty olive. I guess I don't know what color sage is. Sage is it's more, of, like a, blue, it's isn't more it? of
1: a muted blue
0: green. Okay. It's more of like a. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. My mom was a big color wheel girl. So like we were very versed on the color wheel growing up. <laughs> I just picture
0: a big color wheel girl rolling around. Yeah. No, <laughs> I
1: was the only one in kindergarten that knew the difference between mauve and burgundy.
0: That's you know. still, yeah, mauve is a brown, right?
1: Mauve is like a, it's like a dusty kind of a dusty, dusty rose. Dusty, all i
0: like a. I've said dusty a few
1: times, but it'd be like a muted like brown. Okay. rose kind of thing. Mauve. Uh, leave a comment if you disagree. Today on the show we have. Um, what is he? <laughs> He's an exci- I wanted to He's say. Like, I wanted to say the word. We have an exciting guest, but that is such a podcast.
0: Yeah. B.S. Cliché. Uh, he's a today person that's we'll, probably today written— Today we've got an exciting guest. I cannot wait to present him to you. Somebody who you probably mine. like five or more of his songs that he's written. You like and so you many know. songs
1: yeah. that he's written, and you don't know that he's either written them or co-written them. Mm-hmm. We are we have on the show Dan Wilson, uh, lead singer and principal songwriter of Semisonic, but he's also a very prolific songwriter, all the way hearkening back to the two thousand and twos, uh writing songs all the way up until today with artists mm-hmm. like uh Taylor Adele, Swift, Taylor Swift, Adele, Leon Bridges, uh Jason Mraz, mm-hmm. Rachel Yamagata, Carol King, I mean Antigram, listen, yeah.
0: What did you say? I said Fantagram. Fantagram. I like that album that he helped that's out. A, of, yeah, that's so. a good
1: album. Uh, just a just a really, like, a corn maze of a mind to, <laughs> to hunt through. I mean, it's really a special episode. Um, so, yeah, we're going to yeah. go through that. We're going to see push play on Dan's brain, see what's there. Uh, but before we do that, I think one of the most <laughs> important things that you and I do together is... I that we go through band names yeah names. band names band
0: names band
1: names 28 band nine uh so today's band name do you want to go first you can go You well
0: mine's mine's better today
1: all right i'll go first then because <laughs> i really feel good about mine uh it's pretty heavy that's it it's no no, <laughs> no, no no it's just it's a heavy band name Uh, But you're going to love who they're on tour with and I doubt you even know who they are or remember who they are. Probably. I don't know anybody. uh, This is a band. Their band name is Drenched in Stars. That's a good one. Thank you. Drenched in Stars. Drenched in Stars. And then um, their album that they just came out with, their debut album is Codes of Light. Right? Um, And it's kind of one of those like if you just Google image like Alter Bridge like tour art it it looks like that it looks like okay that's really complex i wonder what all that stuff means that's kind of what it
0: looks like uh, i think we should start including album art on these uh, just means, ai generated well, well, what if it's not what i want uh, yeah, yeah. So Get obviously,
1: drenched in stars, codes of light. It's a really, <coughs> it's a really complex album cover. It kind of looks like the trapper keepers from the '90s. Oh yeah, like when you're in middle school, mm-hmm. it had like a like a
0: very futuristic scene with geometric shapes and a unicorn coming out of it. Maybe S- no.
1: maybe but, maybe, but like ultimately, like 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 barber poles of power sources. Okay, yeah, you know, I know exactly. I'm yeah, picturing yeah, yeah. It. Yeah. like definitely that's the that's the drenched in stars vibe, and they are on tour with.
0: Default. That's Do you uh, remember Default? No, can you sing a Default song?
1: Uh, This is not for real, friend of you. I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting my time. Remember that song? I do remember that song. It was on the radio a lot. And I I can't
0: believe, I can't believe how much it was on the radio. I mean, that was... That kind of music in that time is this 2003? It's kind of one of 2002.
1: It's kind of one of those bands that, that that I feel like Creed opened the door for, uh-huh. you know. So yeah, it's very Creedy, Creedy kind of band. Um, <laughs> if we're talking about bands on here, we're not necessarily endorsing them. We're just saying that they're just. They're Are just you part saying of that you don't
0: endorse Creed? I or, endorse or default? Uh, no, I
1: now I'm in a now I'm in a corner. Mm-hmm. So see what you've done? You've yeah. kind of put me in a corner to either yeah, sure affirm did. or disaffirm both those bands. What I will say is Mark Tremonti uh-huh. of Creed is a brilliant guitar player and a brilliant parts writer and brilliant mind.
0: And they're great songs. Um, and I will
1: say one of my favorite YouTube videos is Scott Stapp singing about the the Marlins like the baseball team. Like he has a song that he wrote about the Marlins baseball team. Okay. And that is one of my favorite uh, Scott Stapp videos. Like favorite, worst? I just, favorite, that's favorite. all I'm going to say. Okay, I'm going to be cool. pretty agnostic about it on purpose. All right. And so, uh, but they're
0: on tour with Default. Where are you at? Where's your band name? All right. Uh, this, this band's been around for a while, but they're making a resurgence. It's Bad Graphics. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like bad yeah. graphics. Yeah. They started out as like a sync licensing or whatever you would call it back in the day. Band just, you know, just in it for the money. Sure. That's a buzzword but, for sure. Yeah. Way to drop some buzzwords. <laughs> cool. Yeah. But they had some great songs. Um, yeah. Just think of like a high end sonata commercial. It's on the countryside. Just yeah. Uh, like so, a like a phoenix kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> silver sun pickups. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah uh album name is cutting room floor okay yeah uh and they were they formed at yale university so of course they did yeah they did They're one of those
1: like yeah like they all made 36s on the act yeah kind of like vampire weekend or something super smart
0: yeah like super speaking of super smart we have somebody super smart on the podcast today yeah which so we've already talked about
1: but we do um Anyway, like I said, you know, Dan Wilson from, uh, the band Semisonic, but, um, you also know him from several songs that he's co-written. So kind of in today's journey, we, I think it'd be helpful for the audience to kind of hear Dan's origins. So where he's from, where he came from, how he got doing, uh, How we got doing what he's doing? (laughs) Is that the best? Here's how we got doing. Here's the deal: we got to be really measured with our words because he went to Harvard. Yeah, he did. And so I didn't go to Harvard. I went to college in Oklahoma. Where'd you go to college? (laughs) In Oklahoma, right? So we gotta we gotta talk super smart. I'm gonna be so smart today. I'm gonna talk so smart today because he's from Harvard.
0: And do you think he knows Mark Zuckerberg? Dude, he probably does. He probably does. I bet. I Mark bet, Zuckerberg probably knows. I mean, he's. I'm sure he does know. Him. I bet.
1: I bet Dan Wilson was on the <laughs> Harvard connection. I know the Winklevoss twins are listening to this, and they're like, dude, oh, you owe us a copyright from saying Harvard connection trying to find everything uh and if you haven't seen the movie social network you have no idea what i'm talking about
0: uh I bet people still do yeah
1: yeah but dan went to harvard and honestly we didn't even talk a lot about that yeah. but uh or what he even studied we didn't even get there but it's just impressive to see on his resume and if you look on his all music which i am going to send you to allmusic.com type in dan wilson and see everything that he's done
0: um look at those credits you're gonna be Man.
1: impressed so without further ado Let's bring them on. Dan Wilson, everybody. Dan Wilson. Everybody, this is Dan Wilson. You know Dan Wilson um, from probably one of the most popular songs that is, uh, was really popular when I was growing up, but has stayed very popular because it's a very timely song mm-hmm. for a special activity. It gets played uh, when... when the event closes down when the game ends its closing time yeah. from one of the greatest bands out of the uh out of the nineteen nineties and the early two thousands semisonic. So that is Dan Wilson. Dan say hi to everybody. Hello everybody. Thank you
2: for that welcome cold.
1: Yeah. I'm glad that you said thank you because uh today we're actually gonna talk a little bit about that. Um but if you look on Dan Wilson's resume, semisonic is one of the smallest parts of that resume and that mm. activity. And, and Dan, you've kind of turned yourself into, um, I don't think the word prolific does it justice. Uh, I mm. would say, I guess we'll, we'll stick with prolific. Um, you went to Harvard, so you probably have a better word for that. Uh, but a prolific songwriter... Um, who's been really grafted in into almost every angle of the music industry just in the last, you know, mm. two decades. Fantastic. So yeah. before we get there, Dan, I, yeah. I got introduced yeah. to you through Philip. How did you guys meet? How'd you guys get connected?
2: We were talking, was it about the Kangra pedal? Yes. I think it was a Jared Sharf that connected us. Jared and I had talked about um, the Kangra pedal because... Um, uh, a, a mutual friend introduced us uh-huh. during the pandemic and we ended up chatting about that. And, and then um, he said, "I'll I'll, I'll arrange uh, for Walrus to send, uh, you know, send you one. Mm-hmm. And then we, we hooked up with you on a, like a, a, phone thread. Yeah. And I think somehow you and I ended up independently nerding out on yeah. guitar pedals and yeah. <laughs> stuff like that pretty quickly, actually. Yeah. Very quickly. And it's, yeah that's fantastic and you
0: guys stayed friends we stayed friends that's fantastic and that's when we started a band so and you started a band so what's the name of your band he'll tell you it's Dan knows it I think it was it called Leech Attack Leech Attack
2: yeah Leech Attack yeah I
0: thought he texted me Leech Attach and so I said yes because I like that but it was Leech Attack (laughs) so with an we exclamation
2: with mark at the end. I th- yeah. we were arguing yeah. whether it could have an exclamation mark or not.
0: Yeah, but then we decided to do the upside that's down when the exclamation mark at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> the band name that <laughs> That's as far as we made it.
2: as far as we got.
1: <laughs> the band name that popped into my head was uh Punching Floods.
0: Punching Floods. So. Nice.
2: I like yeah, Leech, anyway. Attack. Leech Attack. Leech is Attack
0: is really good. That's really good. That's
2: yeah. quick. I'm i I think it just reminds me of how many bands I was in as a kid which only had Meetings yeah. and never actually jammed. How, yeah. <laughs> let's have lunch and talk about the kind of band we're all gonna be in. Here's my idea. Well, Here's
0: my idea. Here's mine.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like argument. Like yeah. basically an yeah. ongoing argument with the other guys. Yeah. I So I, I mean, would meet up go ahead. Not really lunch because I'm talking about like thirteen year olds. I don't think thirteen year olds get together for lunch. So we would always meet in the cafeteria. and talk Oh, about band and then, meeting at the cafeteria. Yeah, is yeah, right. a great way to flex. You know, telling everybody about your band while yeah. you're right. planning out
1: the band. And here's what happened to me: we would then we'd meet at Robbie's house to start a band. But we'd start <laughs> like let's just warm up on a couple things, and then we'd warm up on uh, Nirvana and. Uh, in like some Green Day songs and then everybody would be tired and then we'd like go to the gas station and and buy Snickers and Dr. Pepper and then it was over and that was the last band practice never actually got anything done
2: so an enormous unacknowledged part of the music economy is the preliminary uh, group efforts that never actually even enter the,
1: the stream of sound yeah the warm up jams you know, two rounds have come as you are. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so you were in bands growing up. Where did you grow
2: up? Where were you, and where are you now? I'm from Minneapolis. I grew up in Minneapolis. Wonderful. Uh, my, um, <clears throat> I'm in uh, Los Feliz in Los Angeles uh-huh. now, yeah. and have been in LA for like twelve years. Um, okay. Uh, but. Most of my musical life was in Minnesota. Okay. My, my uh, brother and I, when, my brother Matt and I, um, we grew up sharing an acoustic guitar and teaching each other the, you know, the newest chord that yeah. some friend had oh, yeah. you know, showed us or whatever. The newest and, uh, chord. That's an album now. That is. You that's know, some cool. new chord, yeah. like how to play an F. You know, that was like what? The yeah, yeah. yeah. F- that's just a, <laughs> wow. You know. But we um, we had a couple of bands in high school, and a, he had a band. A, he had a very, very ragingly fast punk rock band that he played drums in, oh, and I bless his subbed heart. for him for a for a summer of uh-huh. of, of lawn house parties in Minneapolis, playing yes. the super ragingly fast drums. That's a, What year was that? That was whew, could that have been 1980? one long time ago and then um okay you so, guys may not have existed so when, i didn't I, exist yeah. yeah
1: so when yeah. i think of when i think of minneapolis i think of you know i think of prince you know and around that time what yeah, of course. was that um was that an influence in the music culture when you were growing up uh around that time and, and how China. did that play a role in in your songwriting or your sound or was it you know cuz sometimes in oklahoma country music is it's very prolific, so then you have a lot of country influence, but then you have a lot of anti-country influence because people grew up with it huh. and they want to have like a, a rejection response as well. Is that same mm. kind of thing mm. happening maybe with Prince uh, in Minneapolis at some scale?
2: No, um, <laughs> good. <laughs> I like that question, but it's almost like the opposite. Like, um, yeah, when like the, my first encounter with the music of Prince was, I was at a party. A suburban party at a house where the parents were away, and there was an older kid who went to Hopkins High School, made Matt Fink, who was the was, was the keyboard player in Prince's band. Wow. And I, I had, everybody had known everyone, everyone in town, like all the musicians had heard about Prince. It was this legendary kid, you know, who was better than all of us, and was like he he was already even when he was like seventeen or eighteen he was already kind of on everybody's minds. And that was seen as like that and sort of punk rock, like um, the suicide commandos and the suburbs were like the main, that was the main thing. There was, I, I, I had no, going up North to my family's cabin, I encountered a lot of country music, but not in Minneapolis. Yeah. It was all funk music and yeah. punk rock. Yeah. So when I was at this party and all of us were standing outside and this kid Matt Fink said, "Do you want to hear the new track that 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 Prince has made?" Uh, and we all knew that M- Matt Fink was in the in the band of this super cool guy, uh-huh. and uh, so he played a song called "Soft and Wet" with his Doors of his car flown open and, you know, yeah. the super loud stereo. And we listened to this funky song that was so embarrassingly sexy. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just blew our minds. We were like, oh my God, <laughs> this incredible. incredible. So like to, to me, that's the, that would be what you're describing as country, from where you're from. Like for, for me, it would, it would be like Prince. Like you would have to do country as kind of a rebe- rebellion against yeah. the, the, basically everybody thinking that Prince was the God.
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I like thinking about a
1: cabin up in Minnesota. Did you guys have a cabin up in the Boundary Waters or somewhere up there?
2: Not that far up, about halfway up near Grand Rapids. My, my, one of my uncles was a, um, an electrician and one of my grandfathers had been a plumber and one of them was a contractor. One of my other, my other grandfather was a contractor and my dad was able to carry heavy loads of concrete on a wheelbarrow. So they all made, a house on a pretty lake in Grand Rapids Minnesota and then we would go up there like a lot in the summer. That's and so sometimes, sometimes snowshoeing or like skiing. That sounds so fun. I uh it was really nice.
1: <clears throat> I have family a lot of family up in Minneapolis and St. Paul area and so I spent yeah. a lot of summers up at the up at Spectacle Lake up there. And cool. uh, up there, around huh? some other lakes, things like that. Yeah. My uncle, still, my uncle yeah. uh, up in Minneapolis took me shopping to buy my first guitar. And I got it at, I think, Music Around oh. in St. Paul. Wow. So, yes. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I work with them. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, so how did you get from listening to Soft and Wet into <laughs> into Sonic? <laughs> Tell us about that bridge. Uh, right there. So, 1981. Uh, I imagine Simisonic gets together. Uh, or did you go to college before that and
2: then come yeah, back? I went, to, or? I, I, went to Harvard. Like like everyone brother, does. Of course, as one does when you're from when you're a musician from Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah. My brother went there a couple of years later, and with literally the intention of being in bands with me. So we were in bands in Boston and traveling up and down the, um, uh-huh. the coast. Yeah. uh and and you know not having a, a college social life or any kind of presence on this but we were always out gigging That's awesome. and uh then when my then when i finished college I, I moved with my girlfriend to san francisco to be a bohemian for a couple of years yes and that was pretty great and um my brother went he found a drummer elaine harris in in at harvard and lured her to minnesota to start a band so they, they started this band called trip shakespeare with john munson the bass player and then matt without telling the, the other two um recruited me to join the band which i'm sure to them might have been kind of <laughs> alarming <laughs> oh my brother's gonna come and he's also gonna be in our band but that's what happened and uh-huh. we toured trip shakespeare probably toured for like eight years Wow. We got signed to A&M Records. We had the ups and downs of that. We had, um, we were kind of an early, I guess, we were a jam band before that was a category. Uh-huh. So that was bad timing on our part. It was, there was no movement yet, yeah. but like all the guys from Fish would come to our shows when we played up in Vermont, things like that. We were like, anybody who liked hippie jamming probably uh-huh. was gonna like us. Wow. And, and what did you
0: play or do in that band?
2: I, I played guitar and piano in that. Sweet band. That's
1: fantastic. Yeah, 8 years is a long time. Uh it was incredible to be and you get to know a lot. Is that that is that more time than uh than Semisonic was together?
2: No, Semisonic did about so, the, the same, same thing, time. So okay, so same stretch of time, talk yeah.
0: about the transition from Tricks. Well, how would you get from is oh, Semisonic even done?
2: No, in fact, Semisonic is not done, so actually that band's been Look together for a very long time. It's yeah, still an LLC. It still holds. Yeah. <laughs> is that the test? <laughs> that was the test. I think we got it. Yeah.
1: Did you guys renew your form with the state of California? You <laughs> <laughs> know. Yeah, we did. Still, it's yeah. still a trademark. We still pay taxes. Uh, the uh, so talk about the bridge from oh. trips. Oh, go ahead. The, from trips Shakespeare
2: to to yeah, to Sinison. Sinison. yeah. Uh, well, I think. Trip Shakespeare put out two indie albums. Then we put out two albums on A and and we kind of got to the point where it was such a quirky band. I, I kind of we kind of got to the point where it almost felt like we maximized the number of fans that a band as quirky as we were, uh, and also as against the. Um, what would you call it against the 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 parameters of a pop single yeah (laughs) we were just against all the parameters of a pop single so we kind of got as far as we could and we kind of hit one of those painful points where everybody was arguing all the time and we were having lots and lots of friction and my brother decided he was going to take a couple years off and do something else for a while and during that time um John Munson from Trip Shakespeare and and I started jamming as a trio with Jacob Slichter, who is a uh, an old friend of mine, who um grew up in Illinois. I met him at Harvard, and he moved to Minnesota before all this happened. Uh-huh. And then when Trip Shakespeare took a, a long break, John and Jake and I started jamming, and we decided we were going to start a new band that was st- structured in a in a low stress way. So. I, I figured out what the, what the, what that would be. I figured, I, so we had like, I think we had four rules. We might've been three or four rules. Let's see if, which it is. Rule number one was um, life is more important than music. That's a good rule. That is a really rule. Good rule. Num- rule number two was if we're working on a song for two or three days and it doesn't sound good yet, it's because it's a bad song and I'll write a new one.
0: Uh, <laughs> nice. rule, I don't like this oh, rule, number,
2: lots of people need Rule me. number three, a lot of, everybody needs that rule. Yeah. Rule number three was, um, if we're having a bad time in rehearsal, we're going to go down to the Loring Bar and have a drink nice. instead. And rule number four was, we're not going to be a democracy. Uh, I'm going to have the last word. Yeah. I'm the tiebreaker of, of all questions. Uh-huh. But we try. We'll try to do everything as collaboratively as we can, and we're going to split the proceeds of whatever we do totally evenly, so that nobody lives in a mansion and the other guys live in apartments.
0: Nice. Those are great rules. I just, are wrote, great. I just wrote all those, those are down. Great good rules. <laughs> Those are awesome, We're but, about to start a band, so that's you know, why. Yeah. yeah,
2: you need the rules. Yeah,
0: you got the, yeah. 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 Those that are, would
2: be like that. Those rules would be the kind of thing that was part of the meeting in the cafeteria for the forming of a band. It was yes. like that was kind of classic, almost. Yeah,
0: bunch of thirteen-year-olds deciding yeah. all those wise Damn. decisions. I remember crafting
2: songs. Life is more important than music. The thirteen-year-olds never mentioned oh, that. Oh man, yeah.
1: No, but we also, I mean, we worked on the same song for six months so right you know,
2: you needed my rule number two yeah yeah, yeah. It, was so, it
1: was a song called Beautiful <laughs> <Yeah>. World
0: <laughs> that's real it's it could you imagine oh man oh uh, so painful yeah
1: how many <laughs> uh, are there were no songs about how beautiful the world is at that point no and so we were going to be the first band to release Beautiful World
2: well it was a good instinct I think it would be contrarian is a good instinct <laughs> but it's to me, it's it's so aspirate. It's such a great aspirational cover, and the fact that it was a doomed song is so oh,
0: awesome.
1: <laughs> so doomed. Here's the deal: we played and we played a show in Stillwater, and we were a punk band, and our drummer got sick <laughs> that morning, hmm. and so we played the show without the drummer.
0: Oh wow!
2: Yeah, <laughs> just two
1: guitars and a bass with no drums. <sighs> punk show. Imagine yeah, that. Yeah. As yeah, punk is against oh, my grandma came. I
2: played in a I played in a punk rock band wh- where the drummer had the flu. And during the show, leaned over and vomited into a bucket (laughs) that he set there (laughs) several times.
0: That is amazing. Oh my
2: God. And this hero of music never stopped playing. That is incredible. He just leaned over. He's
0: the Michael Jordan. (laughs) What a guy. Did he keep time? He is the Michael Jordan. Yes. It never stopped.
2: That's incredible. (laughs) We would look back and we were all like laughing and sort of screaming at the same time. It was so bad. That just kind of proves the greatest things that
1: have ever been done never get recorded or celebrated. I, I oh, would, yeah. I I would have say that's so one true. of that's one of the greatest things. Like to play that's a show like Everest. It's like climbing a mountain or something. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you just you never hear about the guy that vomited through the whole show but
2: kept
0: time. I and mean, that's probably a reason
2: we probably lost most of your listenership right now having told that story. So it oh, might be a reason we never hear that.
0: <laughs> we I was in a band and we played a house show downstairs but it had all glass windows behind us. And I remember halfway through the show, freezing, being like, I am freezing. <laughs> and our guitar player had fallen backwards and broken through one of the floor to ceiling windows. And it was, it was in Detroit and it was probably 15 degrees outside. And he was still playing with blood all over him. And I just looked back yeah. and I was like, why is he bleeding? Oh, I'm pretty much outside right now. And we kept the show going. And that was Noah. He used to work here. So. Oh my gosh. It
2: was. That's a little bit of the. I mean, in that moment, maybe music was more important than life. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> I might as exception. well finish
0: this because I'm about to have to pay for a big window. That so. reminds
1: me of the end of Whiplash. <laughs> I was. <laughs> that. Have ah. you
0: not seen Whiplash?
1: I haven't. Oh, it's I know, brutal. I know Dan brutal movie. has. You need to go watch Whiplash. I'll
2: go do that. It'll,
1: yeah. it'll kill you. I mean, it's really intense.
2: Well, that's the thing. It's like one of those things like, you know, smell this. I, I, I don't know because it's really sad and it's, it's, it's really stressful, really sad. Really makes you question what the point of being a musician is. And when you're done, you're you maybe not better than we were before. So it's sort of like Yeah. Oh it, it, I found this in the fridge. Smell it. No. I'm not gonna smell it. Oh man
1: uh, You but you need to watch Whiplash. Oh, that's Whiplash. It's really great. Oh yeah.
2: Okay. Uh he's great yeah. at that. It's fantastic. So it's new. It's scary. It'll It's scare the only you. it's the only music, um, it's the only mu- uh, movie about drumming where the drums on the p- on the picture are synced perfectly with the drums on the soundtrack. Oh, why is that? It's like because everyone else is like, well, no, it's I know when they edit drums to sound, a video to sound, or or film to sound in most movies, they're like, Nah, no one's going to notice like that the drummer's not playing that same thing. But this is like a really elaborate movie about really, really elaborate jazz drumming and they and and it's all deadlocked to the picture. It's wow. just, I, I felt so appreciative while watching this super sad, depressing movie that they really went to the trouble of yeah. lining it all up perfectly.
0: That is awesome.
2: Now you need to see it.
0: Now I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I like you
2: most Yeah, you yeah. must. It's You've got to smell this thing from the fridge too. <laughs> it's really awful. <laughs> it's
0: fantastic. It's still good. It smells yeah. good. Do you think it's You're still a the date still? Yeah, That's fine. fine. That's not mold. But
1: I think... One of the most interesting things that has been said so far uh, and what I'd like to repeat for our listeners, because most people are either in bands, have been in bands or in like side hustles, you know, whether it's Mm. like a cover band for corporate events or wedding bands. You know, I was in a wedding band called the Party Bandits for a long time. Uh, Mm. (laughs) uh, I'd like to read these rules. Uh, Life is more important than music. I think that's great. Uh, If a song takes two or three days, stop working on it, because it probably sucks. Uh, If you're having a bad time in rehearsal, stop and go to the pub. Uh, Not a democracy, Dan is the tiebreaker, and I think it'd be good if everybody employed this rule, but made you specifically the tiebreaker (laughs) in the band. (laughs) Um,
2: working towards that so
1: So we're gonna leave your cell phone number in the show notes and and people can just (laughs) just leave you in FaceTime you just do it 24-7 just
2: uh, 24-7 moderate dude Dan knocked my song what I think is
1: great is split proceeds evenly Um, Mm. so while some people might take issue with like, well, I don't like that. It's not a democracy. I don't like that. There has to be a tiebreaker. But at the same time, there's financial incentive for everyone to have a say at the bottom because it is split proceeds evenly. I like those last two because they're kind of mutually accountable to each other. How do you arrive Mm -hmm. at those last two?
2: Well, I, I had been in a lot of groups where it was thought of as a democracy, but only because everybody wanted the opportunity to prevent something from happening, if the need arose. Uh And that's different than, you know, that's, that's not a model for, for having a a direction or leadership. It's a model for like, it's a fearful approach to making sure you don't get railroaded. Uh And, and yet, it causes more you know, just log jams of group dynamics than than is usually survivable for a group. So, if if you know if everyone has veto power over over every decision, you're you're kind of lost unless you have a very very strong um, unity of purpose, let's say. And if even if everything comes up to a vote. Um, you can't really say, like you can't really say that everybody in the band is as good at deciding everything as everyone else is. Like, yeah, you know, why is one person usually stuck with having to write all the songs? Well, it's just because they're better at it, and everybody kind of doesn't like that, but that's how that works. And so uh-huh. why um, why should deciding who engineers the next recording be equally? everybody's strong suit so maybe somebody's just really good at playing their instrument or or like m- my band is is peculiar Semisonic is peculiar because everybody's kind of if they wanted to everybody could be a record producer and everybody's very like s- sort of um schooled i guess And uh-huh. it's kind of a super in group. The lore yeah and yeah. the lore of music it's like a super group without the pedigree sure um but but Like everyone has a different role. Like I would say, John, the bass player in the band is more like the, the bomb thrower in the band, like musically. He's like, you know, we're working on a recording. He'll say there's something wrong with this. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. There's something about this is terrible. You know, I, I can't listen to this recording any, you know, one more time, like, or, (laughs) or. You know, can you send me? Can you send me a version with all the mid-range instruments muted, <laughs> and I'll add, I'll add the things I think it needs. You know, uh-huh. but just to kind of like a, a kind of like person who's stirring the pot musically and uh-huh. like yeah. challenging the process musically. Not everybody, not everyone is good at that. You know, but in mm-hmm. our band, like that's one of the things that John is. We sort of trust him if he's got some. You know, a. If he's getting a bad flavor from something we're working on, we we just kind of have to trust him on that and and go about it in a different way until we get something that we all dig. So in a way, that's a democracy, but it's different. It's more like a team, you know, with different roles and and people don't want to be people don't want to do everything.
0: Yeah, people have their so, strong anyway. suits. So yeah, yeah,
1: I I I love that. I think that that's fantastic. And then, um, so you employ these rules you start the band um yeah. and i imagine that you know success didn't happen overnight um but but no. kind of what was the how did you get from these rules to accepting the uh the grammy winning for uh, the grammy not nomination mm. the grammy award for best rock song of 1999 how did
2: what was <laughs> what was the story in between there uh well trip shakespeare had toured so much that when Semisonic started, first of all we did a, we did one run we, we the the music is, uh, life is more important than music rule, we, we took it so seriously that for a short time the band, we called the band Pleasure because we just wanted to do it for fun yeah. it. so I wrote a whole bunch of songs we did one tour of the Midwest I think as Pleasure and we basically played all the venues we would have played with Trip Shakespeare, you know with maybe less people and then We found out that there was a very successful funk band from the 70s called Pleasure, and we couldn't be Pleasure anymore, so we changed the name of the band. Then we had to start again, again. And um, (laughs) so then for like four Uh years, three years, we made demos in John's uh, and Jacob's basement. Yeah, And uh, I wrote lots and lots of songs. And I had sort of decided that I wanted to write things that could be played on the radio, but I wanted them to be really good. Mm-hmm. so we we did a lot of like proof of concept yeah we did a lot of songs that were like okay dan we'll, you know we'll, <laughs> we'll try this crazy plan so we did a lot of demos for that and we sent it around to the a&r people that we had known because of uh trip shakespeare and the a&r guy one of the people that had signed trip shakespeare to AM and and then quickly was fired after that which is disastrous in its own way yeah um for uh, he had gotten another job somewhere else, and he heard maybe our third batch of demos. Like the we did, we did cassettes with four songs each, yeah, and sent them to whoever sent us five bucks. And oh, so he nice. heard the third, he heard the third batch of four songs, and basically contacted us and said, "Can okay, let's let's try to make a record." And we we at that time there were large companies trying to sign unlikely bands from the Midwest, you right. know, to record yeah. deals. And uh-huh. uh, so that eventually that's that's how we ended up um, kind of getting institutional support, I guess you'd say. But he was, uh, this man, Steve Hrabowski, fantastic guy. He was also fired from, he signed us. Then he was fired from the label that, we he assigned us to, oh. and they didn't want us anymore. Shoot! And My they kind of so we were halfway done with the record we were working on, and um, the head of the label said, "We you know, to our managers, um, we don't need semi sonic. We have third eye blind. It's fine. You know, we don't need this <laughs> band. Seriously." And, okay. Yeah. And so, what year is so, this? This is probably ninety five or six. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Ninety five. Yeah. So then we then we f- then MCA bought our contract from Elektra and we continued making this record called that we called Great Divide because first of all we were flying over the Rockies to record it in, L- in LA. Yeah. And so that was the Great Divide and also we had to take six months off between the first half of the record and the second because we'd got uh, we went into corporate limbo. Yeah. But anyway we put that record out and then the next I thought that album was like full of smashes. Yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, we're going to have some hits. And we had some like radio, we had radio play and that was love. And we did a lot of shows and got good reviews, but it wasn't like uh, explosive, you know, anything happening. So the next time around, we got Nick Launay to produce us. And Nick and I kind of were in cahoots with each other. We were, we were like, this is going to be like an art project. This is going to be like an art record. Uh-huh. And it's going to be, we're going to do it like Abbey Road as opposed to like, um, meet the Beatles. It's going to be, okay. you know, live performances. And then we kind of mess them up as much as we can or add things or subtract things or do, ju- you know, be really experimental and whatever. Yeah. So that ironically, that's the record that had closing time on it and became commer- such a commercial success. Yeah, so
1: that was, tra- you guys tracked that live, that record? Like, like every, studio- for
2: example, every, so- like um, closing time is, me on a duo jet through a soldano amp yeah. jacob on the drums and john playing bass and then to that we added another me doubling the the duo jet yeah and no a silver jet gretsch guitar yeah. uh, we had Sounds we terrible. added me doubling doubling the silver jet and then we had a string section come in and play those beautiful things in the middle and uh, yeah. You know, but it was it was mostly a, a a live record. I think there's two edits of from one performance to another. But the song.
1: the piano hook, who played
2: the piano hook, was the John, bass player. Okay, played gotcha. that. and that that, that was, was an overdub. But he, he, when we learned the song, he was standing at the piano with his bass in his hand and playing the piano part and going bo, playing the piano part bo bo with his left hand playing yeah. the bass. So that's, that's how awesome. it ended up on the record. So Dan, tell me about this.
1: So you yeah. have a song. <laughs> you have a song called "Closing Time." So when you right. tour and you play live, obviously yes. the song is appropriately named and themed to play last. When you yes. tour, do you close the show with this song? Because if <laughs> I were you, I would open the show with <laughs> "Closing Time." You know, just to get <laughs> this is- and honestly. <laughs> And sometimes people don't suffer from this, but sometimes people do suffer from this. It's like, I want to just get the, I want to get the hits over with in the show so that I can get to the stuff that is fulfilling for me more to play. You know, I mean, how many times, you know, how many times has Bono had to sing, uh, you know, with or without you. It's like, all right, here's the part where I got to do with or without you. And maybe that's still fulfilling for him. I haven't talked to him. He doesn't respond to my text. But <laughs> like, it, talk to me about kind of the, the dynamic of that where everybody is kind of drawn to you because they've heard this, this specific song. But they're, right. if you go through... Uh, it the album really is it sounds organic and tracked live and it sounds yeah. there's a lot of emotionalism to it just in the textures mm-hmm. of it you feel like it's one of those albums where you feel like you really are in the room in the process of the musicians making it so it really is a, a, a i oh, think it's a, it's a piece of art but but tell me about what kind of the the dichotomy of all that well how was that for you
2: well the first part of your question um The reason Closing Time exists is because John and Jake were really, really, really tired of the song I was putting at the end of the set for every gig. Uh It was this very jammy song called If I Run, and it was just really loud and jammy, and I loved it a lot. And we got to play, John and I got to sort of battle each other. He had an octaver on his bass. Which is really unfair, but uh, so yeah. we we would like do sort of dueling leads on it, and it was very. But and I was content to do that forever. But they they there was a, a rebellion, and they said that we have to have a new song to end the sets. So that's why I wrote closing time. Okay, that's so. And cool. uh, so so it would be ironic if <laughs> after that we switched it to the beginning of the show. <laughs>
0: Uh, so that's
2: how that happened,
0: guys. I think I want to play <laughs> Closing Time at the very beginning. I know this all happened I mean, for a
2: reason. But. We no. did. We did one show in Minneapolis uh, in 2017 where we played the entire album, uh, Feeling Strangely Fine, and then we played a bunch of singles after that. But that so that night was the only time we've ever played Closing Time first, and it was it was epic. It was actually kind of great in that spot. See, was I- like. I'm glad you did it one time <laughs> just for me. Just, yeah, that's yeah. cool. But I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, about not wanting to play the hits. I, I, I know that there are people like that and I know that that's a thing, but I've never had that. Like, once again, John and I, John the bomb thrower in the band, he would be like, "Let's not play the singles tonight." And I would go like, "What are you talking about? Those are our, first of all, those are our best songs. Like, are we really are we really bored of the, of those songs? Like, it's can't almost we like take the other. It would be a out?
1: breach of contract for the ticket purchasers to <laughs>
2: oh, not man. play." Do they really want the to be hits. spared the, the song they love the best? Does the audience really get, like breathe a sigh of relief when you don't play the best song? No, they don't. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Man. I'm not sure they do.
1: You're making a I good think, decision. I think I said <laughs> that because I have been at shows where where people will will throw out like play didn't you know they like say the name of one of the band's hits and then the artist is kind of like hey we'll get there bud you know like we'll get there like so then then i feel like um and this might be uh, you know due to a lack of showmanship on their part but i feel like they feel a little bit groaned you know because oh they're only here to hear you know the the other stuff but but i really some of these other songs are great so far too
2: It's a funny thing because um Okay, here we go. I'm going to digress. Um, well, first of all, I think I've seen. I'm going to digress twice. Okay, first of all, I've seen Radiohead like six times probably, and they only played that song "Creep" once. And yeah, to me, that's wow. like. Uh, an, uh, uh, I understand they they didn't like that identity for the band, and they didn't want to sure. be that hit. You know alt rock hit single band but it is one of their best songs and it was amazing the one time i saw them play it but it was also the other shows it's not like i was sad they they it was it was amazing you know yeah each time so
0: would you have been um, sad though had you never heard it live
2: i'm glad i heard it one time i actually am i like the song i think it's a really really amazing wonderful song oh yeah it's incredible
1: But if I meet somebody who tells me their favorite Radiohead album is Pablo Honey, I don't trust that person anymore. Slightly questionable. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's kind of like, well, I mean. okay. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to tell you, put it that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So there you go.
0: Oh, that's really You had another part to that? or did you? Yeah, I can't remember the second part of the question. It's like the second half. That's Cold my fault. Yeah, way to go. Gosh,
1: I am. Philip? Yeah. Um, okay. So. So you move from, you know, you guys win a Grammy in 1999 or you guys win a Grammy for, it might've been in 2000, but you win a Grammy for the 1999's best, you know, rock single, rock song, right? We got
2: nominated for a Grammy, but we didn't win that Grammy as, as our friend's. She said over and over to us, we lost that Grammy. Who won?
0: <laughs> One-time Grammy okay, loser. Like Dude, lose I've lost... Grammy. <laughs> I've lost every Grammy since this has been going on. It's crazy. I,
1: what a guy... I think Dave... Barnes in Nashville has a show called Dadville. They had Bruce Hornsby on. And I think the title of the show is like Bruce Hornsby, seven time Grammy Loser.
0: <laughs> oh my
1: God. <laughs> just, uh, uh, I think I'm
2: pretty sure he was okay with that, but it's uh, who won Best who Song knows, that year? Who knows? Uh, best the best rock song was a song by Alanis Morissette that was one of those. Oh. Awards was it, that you was get it thank from previous you? work that was better. No, it wasn't even one of her great songs. It was from a movie or something, and it, it wasn't. It was like it was most. It was because she had done so many good songs, and they forgot to give her Grammys for those. So she got this one.
1: <laughs> one more thing on closing time, and then we'll we'll mm. move on. Um, I mm. think we play a game here uh, sometimes with guests, and we say, "Is the song iconic, or is it good, or is it both?" And so. Wow. It's really fun to have you on today because you are, you behold one of the songs that I would say one is iconic and yeah. two is really good. Because sometimes yeah. we have songs that are iconic, you know, in our nation and in our world that I wouldn't necessarily say that those are like great songs, but it is iconic. Uh, yes. Like, and one like, of those examples is. I, I would. I have examples like I would say like blue, like Eiffel 65. Okay, you yeah. know that's like an iconic song. I wouldn't say it's a great song.
0: Yeah, mm.
1: good, but it's also a song mm. that I don't. If I have to hear it, it's like that's fun to listen to. You know, it's like ps, pss,
0: pss, pss. I'm blue and ding. You know, <laughs> uh, what's with uh, bringing that song up with people from Minneapolis? I like that. Is that okay. for are they from Minneapolis? Wait, no, because Corey Wong was on the show and we talked about Eiffel 65.
2: Yeah. Do you know Corey Wong? Met him uh, recently for the first time, like three weeks ago. Oh wow, he's great. He's you know he's from yeah, the he's Twin amazing, Cities. Areas. Amazingly talented person. Yeah. Yeah. So good.
1: Um, okay, so you moved from Semisonic into into really kind of I think what you're doing now into songwriting yeah. and co-writing yeah. for people. How yeah. did you make that jump? And it looks to me like you're really comfortable in that skin. Um, yeah. So how did you make that jump? Yeah. And how did you kind of make it? Part of your day to day slash year to year now decade to decade.
2: My uh, when I was a kid, my parents had like eleven or twelve LPs, and one of them was uh, "Tapestry" by Carol King. <clears throat> and and um, wait, your parents had eleven to twelve what LPs? LPs. Oh, like great. Records, okay, yeah, like, thanks. You know,
1: I thought you said piece. Like, uh, and I was like, oh, that's no, a, no, that's no. a Harvard
0: word." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do not know. You have to ask. <laughs> yeah, <you> don't know.
2: <laughs> Somebody Google okay. it. Uh, ten or twelve piece. Okay, yeah, they had a very small, you know, record collection, and so we would listen to. It was um, Abbey Road and Sergeant Pepper, mm-hmm. um, Carol King's Tapestry, Bookends by Simon and Garfunkel, Man. um, uh, a couple of um. A couple of things that I didn't relate to, like a a Johnny Mathis record, and um, and a wonderful album called "Encores" by Julius Katchen, who was a classical pianist, and it was literally all the. It was like the, it was like an LP of all the go-to classical music greatest hits. Yeah, Um, Bach, you know, two-part inventions and and Mozart sonata. You know, five forty-five in C major, and just just the the best. So we would like listen to those records in the evening, and and uh, I would read the credits, and I th- I'm pretty sure I learned about Carol King being a songwriter from uh, for other people. Yeah, because a couple of the songs on Tapestry had already been hits for other artists artists, and I thought of them as songs like you've got a friend. I thought of as a James Taylor song that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And there was some, um, will you love me tomorrow was like by the Shirelles, you know, but there wasn't her record. So anyway, I, I, I got this kind of vision for myself when I was like 11, uh, that I was going to be Carol King. And then I think, you know, my brother and I ended up in bands and stuff like that. And we, you know, I I ended up helping Matt, my brother finish a lot of his songs and I got good at, collaborating on a song and bringing it to you know over the finish line in that way yeah and so at at the point of semisonic being the most successful i was putting the word out as much as i could um that i wanted to co-write with people and it wasn't oh, really yeah. a thing like rock person co-writes and makes hits with with other people you know it wasn't really it wasn't necessarily a lane for that but mm-hmm. i asked and asked and asked around minneapolis nobody wanted to co-write a song And then I asked my publisher and manager to, isn't there somebody that I could write some songs with? And they, they set me up with a woman named Bick Runga, who's a fantastic, um, uh, singer songwriter from New Zealand. And we wrote a song that was in a movie called American Pie. So that was like, oh, this is kind of fun. This is actually a successful (laughs) Uh thing to do. And then the second call I got about doing a co-write was purely by happenstance. Um, was Carol King, who wow. who call call waiting into a call between my manager and my publisher. Come on, and the publisher said, "Oh, can you hold?" Carol King's on the other line. Okay. and he comes back to the <laughs> okay. phone and says, "Oh, would Dan want to write a song with Carol?" And my, ma- my manager's like, "Hmm, you know, maybe." Yes. <laughs> wow. So I wrote a song with Carol King that ended up on All About Chemistry by Semisonic, and I loved the experience. And she was. It was like a masterclass. It was kind of amazing. You bet it would she be. was. She was yeah. fun to write with and she was snarky and uh-huh. clever and everything you'd want. Really, you know, really nice, but also her humor had an had a sharp edge to it that I really yeah. liked. And, and we wrote a song that I think was, I thought was really, really good. And then in the, Years after that, I just kept shaking that tree. And when I when Semisonic stopped touring because my um, my daughter Coco was uh, in the hospital for a year, and then she was on a, a a trach and ventilator for another two years, and I just couldn't tour the way I had toured anymore. Yeah. So I just kept like waving the flag with everyone I knew, and I think the first co-writing session after that was um, with Rachel Yamagata and we wrote a song that was on a yeah. record of hers. And and then... What year was that? We were, that was... Um, okay. Oh, boy. Like uh, 2004? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. And then there was... a Or three. Then there was another... Then that... She was friends with Jason Mraz and yeah. she basically sent him around and he and I wrote a couple songs for his record called Mr. A to Z. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then... Um, Mraz... And then, I think I also worked on a song of of his called "Details in the Fabric" that was on his next album. Uh, the album which had "I'm Yours" on it, which became a huge hit. And uh-huh. this time, like, I'm people are starting to think, "Oh, the artists like to write with Dan." You know, maybe we'll, maybe I'll write a song with Dan. But, yeah, you know, it was definitely not like I was writing. Smashes for, for people. Uh, they people just seem to get a good song out of it, and also we had a good time. Yeah. So
1: and that just built in the way. Now you're becoming the Carol King for everybody else. Yeah, you know? it's just, true. Yeah. So, so it's incredible. I think just a sidebar. Um, so I think it's interesting that you kind of derived at the vision for yourself and the what kind of where you wanted to go from reading yeah. liner notes, and yeah. I think. I think liner notes and credits are are so important because obviously the voice that's on the record, you know, carries the vibe of the song for the most part. And that's the name that's on the album and all that kind of stuff. But there's so much work that goes into it that that we don't really see that really kind of creates the foundation for the vocal track to go over.
2: Um, and, it, and, it, and also it's, it's just for those who want to look. There was kind of a it was kind of a long sad maybe 10 years when the, the cd's and had gone started to go away and internet was taking over yeah and there was no longer any credits on anything for quite a while before before sort of all music became reliable and seemingly you know somewhat complete mm-hmm. you could never find out who played the drums on anything for for yeah except asking other people like for like 10 years maybe but now I think it's we have our Wikipedia and our all music and it's like liner notes yeah. right it's sort of similar thing so
1: I was gonna go to, I was gonna ask you where do you go for you know liner notes because I think Discogs was a thing for a while but yeah. all music yeah. I like all, all music, music is- yeah. You know what I wish, and Spotify's gotten better about it, is the credit, like when you type in song or you go, you have to right click and yes. go down to song credits. And it usually has the performer, yes. which is obvious, yes. the songwriters, which is great. And then they, I think they've recently added producer, like who produced it, which mm-hmm. I think is really great. But I'd like to see that expanded <laughs> on like, who oh, played yeah. who played the 12 string on this guitar mm-hmm. right. in, or in this album? No. You know, I want to know that stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Who did that slide so solo?
2: <laughs> right yeah it's, uh, yeah i i I'm, I'm 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 bored with this agenda in a big way I, I i think uh the the difference to me between all music and wikipedia is that I think it's harder for artists who want to hide that somebody worked on their record. It's harder for them to hide that on all music, but they can go in there and take the person off their Wikipedia page. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know why people would do that, but people definitely do that. And I've had a couple of situations where I've written a song and someone else wanted to sort of like say, you know, was, they contributed more. And so, yeah. I'll, you know, someone will flag to me like, Oh, Dan, yeah, do you see that thing that changed in the Wikipedia, you know, mm-hmm. about that one song? And it would be some sort of like, it's just somebody politicking. I think yeah. Wikipedia is more uh, susceptible to that, but I actually love going, I, I love finding out who played the slide solo. That's to me, that's great. Yeah.
1: It's so fun.
2: And I yeah. think,
1: you know, as for musicians and, and you know, hardcore music fans, you start to figure out that you don't necessarily like a genre or an artist, you really start to like a producer. Like I've started mm-hmm. to figure out like, and- oh, I really, I really like Eric Valentine production, yeah. oh, I really I like production. Yeah. oh I really like Daniel Lanois production oh yeah. I really like Tony Berg's guitar playing oh you know right. you start to you start to like love all these songs and then you start to look into all music and the liner notes and you start to see like oh it's because the same, same person come thread yeah singing yeah. or producing all that stuff so yeah same no, lie, I'm glad you said that. Liner notes are so... And they're just so fun. I mean, it's just so fun Ew. to really see all the humans, you know, behind all that stuff. So if you're listening, um, go to some of your favorite... I think a good... If you haven't really gone down that rabbit hole, figure out just some of the fa- your favorite songs from growing up. And look at the liner notes and then click the hyperlinks on that person and then see what else they were involved with. I found so many
2: fun, great artists just through that. There's another um, resource that's similar, parallel kind of universe, but similar. Teach us. A website website called whosampled.com.
1: Ooh. okay. Okay. And
2: it's good for hip hop records because you can... You can go to who sampled and because you say you hear a a new record that you love and it's got obviously it has a sample in it yeah who sampled is this kind of very encyclopedic um uh database where where you type in the name of the new song it gives you the several things that were sampled to make the new song and then it gives you all the other hits that you didn't realize used the same sample the drums or whatever it might be uh you know and other other songs it's a similar kind of like way of like finding those cross connections between artists or, or, um, you know, producers based on the samples they use for tracks.
0: I love this. I was just thinking about this in my car this morning while I was listening to Caroline Palacek. I think is how you say her name. Yeah. But so many cool samples in there. And I was like, this sounds like it's from like the nineties. Like I was listening to this with Paul Abdul, I swear. It's like the same snare. Then, names I have not I d I haven't I oh, didn't know I, I didn't on, know this existed. You gotta so now I'm going to go on, on who sampled.com go yeah, sampled. sampled. I'm gonna find yeah. Paula Abdul on there, I'm
1: sure. Yeah. 90s snare could be uh a, a whole Netflix docuseries. It could. The ring. <laughs> it could be called it be called the ring. That's what it would be called. Uh we should we should do that. That'd be it's really good. great sometime. Okay, so um in your songwriting journey, um mm. uh what are some of the highlights? Uh, like, uh, do you mm. enjoy working on some of the longer projects where you're helping somebody with a with an album, or maybe just a couple yeah. of songs here and there, like a day trip? Like, what are some of the yeah. highlights there, and what do you prefer?
2: I like working more than one song with people. It's it, it part part of the business of uh, uh, around being a songwriter producer is that. The, the business kind of wants to, everything to consist of first dates only. Like mm-hmm. the business kind of figures you're, you're either going to hit it or you're not that first time. And if you're not, we're not going to, we don't want to put you together with that person again. Yeah, uh-huh. And my, that to me goes against one of the pleasurable things in life, which is to have a friend or someone you see, you know, periodically rather than just one epic time. Mm-hmm. And so... I always push to try to be involved with like with someone I dig to like try to do you know more than one record with yeah. so like the the Dixie Chicks and I wrote a ton of songs for that album called uh Taking the long way yes, and we um and that was very gratifying for me and we got to know each other really well and it was like fun to be part of the recording sessions for that, yeah um. Same with Adele and 21. We wrote a bunch of songs that, you know, f- for that record and th- they used three of them on the record. And what songs, um, what songs were those? Just, uh, just so people listening, someone know. like you, uh-huh. someone yeah. like you, don't you remember? And one and only just, uh, just the best ones, you know, no like, big deal. pretty good songs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is dropping someone then, like, like you in there. Yeah. Like, like, uh, like Leon Bridges, I've written a bunch of songs with Leon Bridges. Yeah. I'm really glad. He's, I'm really glad to have that as a sort of ongoing part of my musical life. He's a lovely guy and so so wonderful to collaborate with. And, and such Eric a, Benjamin, yeah, same such thing. A, I, I, Leon Bridges, such a refreshing
1: stream flowing through yeah. the music. Yeah. So when scene. you yeah. when
0: you work with the yeah. artist, are you working just directly with that artist, or like their whole team? So like, is Austin Jenkins there with? Leon Bridges or...
2: Sometimes we've, he's been, uh, and he, he and I and Leon have done a couple of sessions where the three of us wrote a song together. That's awesome. And that, good things have happened from that. And sometimes I've written with Leon and Ricky Reed and maybe Nate Mercero when, when Austin wasn't there, uh-huh. you know, various, yeah. various things. And sometimes there's, you know, usually like three people or That's maybe cool. four yeah. with Leon. Some people are different. Some people really like to write just one-on-one, just like a two-person co-write. Uh-huh. And you you start to... you Maybe less... Like if it's with Leon and, and it's at Ricky Reed's studio and it's like... Nate is there. You have... And I'm there. Then you have like... You could make the whole record. You have every instrument yeah. covered to yeah. make it sound really amazing on that day. Sometimes that can be nice to... To just have that group dynamic on a recording rather than, you know, I'm writing a song with one person and then I guess we're making a demo but we're but I'm kind of uh playing half the instruments and they're playing the other half. And it's, it's yeah. less of, to me, it's like less more like a demo if it's just all overdubs, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so fun. So are you doing, are you doing this live for the majority of the time? Like you're sitting down in the same room with somebody, you do the thing where you oh, send yeah. tracks to each other and, you know, kind of like pen pal
2: songwriter. So not, not there's some, uh, sometimes like during the pandemic, I did a lot of songs by, by mail, by zoom, mm-hmm. but, um, Zoom. As soon as we could, we started to, started to get back together. Yeah, in person, and then afterwards, you know, you can, if the person lives in a different city, you can you can, rewrite the second verse with them on the phone, you know, or send them a bunch of voice memos, and they can collate and figure out which is the best stuff, and they they can put it in, and it's it can it can start out with that clean one on one experience, and then go to a kind of mopping up (laughs) you know approach afterwards you know how do you how do you keep notes or how
1: do you notate your ideas and keep track of those things catalog hooks Um, or lyrics things like that
2: mostly um uh voice memos okay good
1: i'm I'm glad that (laughs) i'm glad to see that
2: yeah. Mostly voice memos. And, and, and once I figured out, I, I had to go online and ask everyone in the world how to copy all the song. Cause, cause my iPhone will no longer update the voice memos from the voice memos app into iTunes, which is really annoying, wow. but I went online and, and crowdsourced the solution. And so now I can batch, I can batch download into my computer from the phone and I, I just have them in folders. But I love being able to put them into a giant folder, song ideas. How do you do that? And put I, it on shuffle. Like, put it on shuffle and just listen to the whole... Like, I didn't even know um, you could do that. How do you do that? Is it
0: What? We're right, gonna link uh, it to link it in the show fig- notes. Yeah, he figured it out. I want to make an app that's similar to voice memos that you can just store things in files. and. There's got to like, be an app I for that. I tried it. I mean, Dropbox, I tried, you can, like, <laughs> link it, but...
2: They usually have too many features. They're usually like trying to be all things to all people or there's not enough. Basically, it's the three of us and like, 900 other people really need this product and so fuck not you guys. true like, yeah. it's <laughs> not
0: there's so many people that need this product well he we said 900 i
1: bet it's around you <laughs> nah. know maybe 1100 or something like Yeah. That. So okay start. yeah so even so <laughs> but,
2: yeah you guys know you probably design a pedal and you're like how many people are going to want this one and we, literally i thought you can do the math in your head really <laughs> oh, fast man. yeah
1: we've released some where well, we've said probably 50 and then we sold <laughs> 50
2: yeah we were dead we were dead (laughs) dead on the money sad to be right in that case we want to be right every time yeah one
1: of my er one of the early projects was a a dual phaser yeah and it was a phaser you know running in uh, running in series into another phaser and it was I was like this is going to be nobody's going to want this pedal and then lo and behold you know, it costs more to make than we made back on it. And <laughs> it's, I've got a bunch of them back here. It's called the Vanguard.
2: Vanguard? Um, but it is... It really is yeah. still too far out of its time. You, yeah. Gotta, yeah. you might just have to wait.
1: Yeah. On all of our business cards where we go to trade shows, we have pedal art, different pedal art on everyone's business cards. Mm. And I've, I'm have i stubborn and I still have the Vanguard on my business card. Just sticking you
2: know? with it. Does it before. have... Is it in quotes underneath the company name? It says "makers of the vanguard." Oh man, it
0: It really should. Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? On all of our packaging, just makers of the vanguard.
2: Yeah, the fine people that brought you the vanguard pedal. (laughs) Have you ever?
1: Have you ever written a song that you're mildly embarrassed of that had radio success?
2: I am among the luckiest people in the songwriting biz because that's never ever happened to me and either I'm so shameless that I think they're all bangers or <laughs> yeah. I just have been spared you know th- having creep be my first smash you know what I mean I like the radiohead were yeah. sad about their first smash I I have never had that feeling but I know it happens I know it's real totally
1: how do you this will be my uh, I got to like two more questions for you I hope it's okay Okay um how, How do you know, like, do you know that you're onto something like in the early stages when you hear a melody or you have some lyrics, like, how do you know there's magic
2: on the
1: idea? what's that feel like?
2: I think it's interesting because, uh, because if I, okay, first of all, I usually overestimate the amount of magic that's happening. As one does. Which might might be helpful. Like, you know, this is so dope. You know, like, no, (laughs) No. it's not. But, you know, (laughs) otherwise it can never never finish. But anyway, I think I usually overestimate. But then secondly, I always forget that if I'm working on something and I wish that I could play it for so-and-so, like, oh, God, I wish I could play this for my, you know, friend or, you know, I always forget that that's basically the test. Like if I get wow. if I have that feeling in a session, I wish I could play this for my friend. Yeah. Then actually it's a great song. But I always forget that that's the test, so I just have it as an independent little <laughs> thing of like, oh, I can't wait to play this for, you know, for my wife or for you uh-huh. know, my friend or whatever. And I never then go to the next step and go, "Oh, that means it's really great." You know, I just... guess. <laughs> that's a great. I like that. That is great. Yeah.
1: So yeah. uh, my last question today, unless you have a last question, no, a last question. No, my me. last question today, I think, I think kind of the, the most helpful thing that, that you host in that sweet, awesome brain and heart and mind of yours is, mm-hmm. is for songwriters and producers. So, uh, so say you're talking to songwriters, songwriters and producers that uh, are maybe a several years behind you and, and, a little budding and aspiring to do maybe what you're doing. What is something yeah. that people should stop doing or start doing and, or both, um, in their, in their efforts and their quest to, to maybe have a career that
2: might look like yours? I think a lot of my things that I would say, like, I don't, I don't know if you guys have seen my, my deck of cards with advice on it. I think I have like do you guys know about this? No, no. Okay, Tell us I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll show you. Okay, it's world? called it's called it's called Word, words and music in six seconds, and it's it, it, <laughs> it's a long second. story. The title yeah. is a long story, but it's basically like it's like. Let's see. Maybe I'll take one one out randomly, and we'll see if it's one of, if it's something I would say to people. Who's? It? Oh, okay. <laughs> Who's, There's a good piece of these, advice. Who made these cards? Me, this is my shit. Okay, so this <laughs> oh one says God, I love this. <laughs> this is amazing. This one says this one says, make it briefer and briefer until you can't leave anything else out. <sighs>
0: oh That's it's a just good one. Be, we some we more should of those. start ending
2: our podcast <laughs> just reading one of these. Will you Okay, me? so here, here's another one. This is this is another good one. Question You've written a great song. What do you do next? Answer write more. <laughs> kind of annoying, but it's true. Yes. Um, let's see. I'll do I'll do one more.
1: No, do like uh, do okay.
2: give us two or three more. We we okay. just found out about this. <laughs> okay. okay. So so um this one says uh Don't worry too much if your songs sound similar to one another. It's called having a style. It's a good thing. Dig it.
0: That is great
2: cuz I worry about there's that. There's like there's like 70 70 something of them. Yeah. Oh, here, here, here's the last one. I'll read, because this is actually something that I might, I might, I might say would be a legit thing to say to the, you know, that the hypothetical hopeful musical artist. Yeah. Uh-huh. This one says, um, every time I've tried to make music that obeys some rule book of success, that music has failed in the marketplace. But when I've followed my artistic in, my artistic instincts, amazing things have happened. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Yes, yes, is, is The, the hmm part of it is, on there.
2: The it's the hmm yes, is there. It's yeah. on there. <laughs> You've read Good. some of these on your Instagram
0: account, haven't you?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, that's right. I have seen these. I didn't yeah. realize Good. that was your
0: card. Can you that's, buy?
2: Can yeah. you buy these cards? Yeah. These are they're on Amazon. It's, it's you know it's, it's yeah it's it's nice amazing. They're this on Amazon. I, I, I'm going to go on one Amazon. One of my most gratifying things. What is it in, called? In, in, what do you type in Amazon? Words, to find these? Of, words and music in six seconds. Words and music
1: in six seconds.
2: One of my favorite things that happens in my musical life is when I get a, a like a, a random Instagram DM or, or an email to my website or some somebody reaches out that I don't know and they say, I just wanted to tell you, today at the session we are kind of stumped and we took out your deck of cards and just for a, just to see what happened we randomly chose one and it solved the problem entirely good. and we're so wow. grateful to you <laughs> that's so great Man,
0: that's
2: you so don't great. even need to be there to help out other artists right good right. yeah so and plus good. i'm actually i'm like the kind of person if, if if anyone says are there any movies you've always wanted to watch i'm like uh like i never can remember yeah. And if someone said, is there any advice you'd ever, you'd want to give a young, you know, songwriter or musician or whatever, you know, to help them on their way, like you did, Colt, I would go, um, I you know, I never know. So now I have this deck of cards, I can just take it out and like say, okay, I would say this. That is that's, what I would say. That is amazing. All right. Well,
1: uh, so for all of our listeners, go and look at words and music in six seconds uh, on Amazon. Go ahead and buy those. Uh, are you guys do you tour
2: are you going to be out on tour ever do you semisonic is we have some shows coming up in minneapolis at the end of the month i've written a whole bunch of new songs i'm pretty excited and okay. then we're gonna do we're gonna do some uh, several weeks of touring in the summertime that we'll announce at some point but i'm i'm, I'm really i'm really happy to have the chance to do this again yeah. are it's you really
1: coming nice. to oklahoma city
2: <laughs> oh i don't think so i think we're
1: He's I think like, most of the shows just, are gonna be
2: to the west of that.
1: He's like, we're just doing A market, bro. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: No, <laughs> no. No
1: C market. I get it. I get it.
0: <laughs> Maybe
1: Dallas, if you're lucky. That's, That's how it usually usually <laughs> works out. Um Okay. Well Catch, cool, guys. catch Semisonic out on tour uh, this spring yep. if you're in Minneapolis. Summer. The summer, yeah, yeah this summer. If you're in Minneapolis, yep. go to a show. Other than that, get on All Music and type in Dan Wilson and go down the rabbit hole like we did. Yeah, so, it was a lot. Fantastic. Hey, thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you. I really you. appreciate it. Thanks it for your time. Awesome. Nice. In your it's so nice case, talking. I looking at your resume, I literally believe that an hour spent with us is Two songs not written. So thank you for <laughs> not writing two songs oh, and being on the podcast today. Really it's appreciate such it. Such a pleasure.
2: Well, you're. I love the. I love the gear you make. It's it's um it's in my um pedal board over there. There's a whole bunch of them hooked up. I, I just it's been so cool to discover, um, yeah. the the pedals. It's just been wonderful. So I'm I'm happy to talk to you guys. Well, really, thanks. Thank I you.
1: appreciate that. Awesome. All
2: right. Thanks for being All with us right. today. See you. Thank
0: you.